At its core, marketing is the process of attracting potential customers and clients to a specific product or service. Marketing at its best unearths consumer insights to creatively reach and engage a target audience with the brand's benefits to drive sustainable growth. Hi, I'm Erica Farber, President and CEO of the REB, and welcome to Radio on Main Street, the podcast all about radio. Each year, the REB business development team, led by Tammy Greenberg, attends the ANA Masters of Marketing Conference, a four-day conference that brings together brand managers from large and small companies, allowing them to tap into best practices, case studies, and insights, while also learning about the latest consumer trends from leading marketing and advertising executives. The conference showcases creative thinking and strategy from some of the world's top CMOs and leading brands on what they've implemented to meet customer needs, drive growth, and inspire change. At the conference, we had the opportunity to sit down to talk with many attendees about their marketing goals, the issues they're most focused on, and of course, their thoughts about radio. In this podcast, episode number three of the series, we hear the conversation I had with Brad Epstein, Senior Manager, Consumer Marketing and Activations, USTA, the United States Tennis Association. So, Brad, how's the yeah. conference for you? Good. I just got here today, so yeah. um, starting with the morning session. So it's been it's been a lot of fun so far. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the whole theme obviously is about growth. Mm-hmm. So, from your perspective at the USTA, share a little bit about um, the key challenges that you're facing yeah. and and how you're approaching sort of this new normal and with what's going on today. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, where do you even start with tennis? So, like, I mean, I would say there's a lot of different ways that you can even answer that question, whether you're talking about people who, uh, kids playing tennis and trying to get, like, the youth sport conversation going, or you want to talk about just, like, adult recreational sport. Like, we, we handle it all. You can play tennis from when you're 4 to 104 is kind of what we say. So a lot of different ways. So there's I can, still hope for someone like me. At, at any time. <laughs> there are national championships for 100-plus Really? In the sport of tennis, that do exist, there and national tournaments for like hundred plus divisions wow. in our sport. So yeah, it's it's a really cool story to tell. Um, I would say from a growth, you know, I never want to say stuff like you know our new normal, anything that happened, uh, you know, since twenty twenty is a good thing. But for tennis, you know, you can't ignore the fact that people did recognize that you're seventy eight feet away from your opponent, and it's an outdoor sport. So tennis has actually kind of had a bit of a resurgence from a participation standpoint. Um, so it's been growing, but what's been neat about tennis is that it's sustained. So it wasn't just like a 2020 fad and fell off um, where we gained, you know, however many million new players it was. Um, I think it was like in an area of like four to five million new. Um, but that growth has now continued to sustain. So um, the challenges are continuing to do what we can to help sustain the the messaging of, of why that it's a good sport to play. Um, whether or not, you know, you're concerned uh, with indoor, outdoor health uh, that obviously we saw a key thing in 2020, but I think as we continue to go on, it's just showing how much fun it is to play, and um, hopefully more and more people are discovering that. So what are some of the initiatives you're directly involved in to get the word out? Sure. So at a national level at the USDA, we do do as much advertising as we can. So since 2020 even, like we had a, a campaign called Get Out and Play, mm-hmm. which um, it's just really funny thinking about that campaign back when we launched it, because at the time it was like, oh, you've been stuck inside the house for two weeks or four weeks or eight weeks. Like <laughs> little did we know like that, like if you were to ex- extend that out to one year, two years, um, right. 
So, you know, we do, uh, we, we aren't a big budget company, but we do get the word out a lot. Um, you know, we do have good partnerships as well, like through the U.S. Open. Um, you'll, you'll probably see our advertising. Our current initiative or our current campaign is called Let's Tennis. Um, for us, you know, one of the biggest barriers to tennis is having an invitation to play because it's, it's a sport where you need someone else on the other side of the net to really get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Let's Tennis is our initiative now. It's our campaign now that we've, um, including uh, grassroots level, that's an invitation to play um, and enjoy it. But, like, Let's Tennis, that, that's kind of the mantra that we live by. I love that. <laughs> now, does audio play a part in any of your initiatives? You know, lately it hasn't, uh, and again, part of this is like, you know, we were very impacted from a marketing budget standpoint with sure. 2020 on. I would say early on, you know, I've been with the USTA since 2017, and we did do a lot of audio and radio. Um, a big thing for me, I think, is uh, what I think is such a special opportunity is, is like, we know, like, if, if you play tennis, there are a lot of other, like, probably interests that you have that, like, that you index on and, and everything else. And um, with audio, with the intimate setting that it gives you, uh, that is very so specific to certain topics uh, that you could just access on, uh, on demand. I think it's a really big opportunity for us to kind of get back in that space more. Um, you know, right now, I, you know, we just want to kind of get our legs back underneath us from a marketing standpoint, but I definitely see a lot of opportunity there because uh, we're a passion business at the end of the day. And in radio and in uh, podcasts especially, you could really tap into other people's passions. So it's a space that I know is, is good for us. And I love that you talk about it's a passion area that's so great and would, would seem that with local personalities, all of a sudden I'm thinking of a lot of tie-ins here <laughs> for you guys. It would be great. So what are you most excited about, you know, and from a marketing standpoint uh, right now? Man, I, it's... I think it's just the ability to uh, do things just, like, really creatively. I think for a lot of people, their eyes have kind of been opened, and I don't know if it's been the work-from-home thing. It's, it's, I think just in other parts of our life, we've kind of rediscovered some things or have been forced into discovering things that we didn't think would be normal. And I think that's also pushed how we think about other things, whether it's uh, new ideas and creativity, willing to embrace uh, new ways of thinking that, you know, when we were just working Monday through Friday, nine to five, and we were set in our ways. And for whatever reason, now, whether it's working from home and seeing different things in different ways, I think as a marketer, okay, how do you now tap into like the new ways people are living and the new ways that they're consuming media, the bigger ways that they're consuming different content, um, and how we can, as marketers, just kind of tap into all those new different things. Cause, uh, before it was like, you know, it was drive time, and everybody had a drive time. And now, like, not as many people might have a drive time. And so it's just kind of getting... Or it's a different drive time. Or it's a different drive time. <laughs> or they're consuming uh, things in different ways in that drive time. And, uh, you know, if you have cars that, uh, you know, if, if we keep going down to self-driving, then maybe it's even more opportunity to consume media in different ways uh, during those times that used to be just, you know, reserved for AM radio and billboards. Right. Um, so, yeah, I just think there's a lot of new stuff out there with the, the new way that we're living that marketers can continue to tap into whatever those new ways are. Mm-hmm. And I think we're still discovering that. Another topic we've been hearing a lot about today has to do with uh, data and technology. Mm-hmm. And it plays such a significant role in yeah. determining who our audiences are mm-hmm. and who our consumers are. So can you discuss sort of what you look for as far as data and technology and how it help support you in a marketing function? Yeah, it's funny. I have a love-hate relationship with both of those <laughs> things. So, like, obviously, you know, technology advances. It gives you a lot of opportunity to for people to engage with tennis. But at the end of the day, our experience is a racket in your hand and you're playing. So for a lot of people who are here at this conference, like, their experience, might, like, the digital experience is the experience. For us, it's an enabler for what's ultimately the end experience. Um, so for 
data, you know, we're collecting a lot at the USTA. We want to know more about people, like what's going to get them to honestly just play more tennis. Like we're right. not we're not greedy. Like we just want we just want you to play more tennis. That, that's it. That, that's our end game. Uh, you know, it's it's good to be a not for profit in that way. Um, and so, you know, getting data from whatever resources that we can, understanding at least maybe where you're playing more. I think tennis historically is a sport that's been managed on clipboards. It's been managed. Uh, on chalkboards or whiteboards, just signing up for courts and putting your name, uh, you know, next to a time slot. I think as technology, people accept it more. And maybe we saw this more with golf where people didn't used to book tee times uh, through digital, but more and more of that is taking place. I think it's, it's grabbed hold more there than tennis so far. Then we can maybe just learn, you know, more things about people's um, habits. Right. And I think if you can continue to um, create things at a national level, uh, that create habit-forming behavior. Um, I think there's more opportunity there with data that we just maybe not know yet about tennis because historically it, it's just not been a sport that requires digital intervention in a sense. Uh, it, it will make things easier, but at the end of the day, like the on-court experience is, is, is what's ultimate. Well, and I would think yeah. that especially in recent years, tennis has become a much more multicultural activity mm-hmm. whereas before it was probably not thought of as that way well so that's it's really interesting that you said it that way because i think how it's thought of and what it is are two different things um i'm not going to say that tennis is perfect and like we're perfect scores in uh diversity and everything else i think right. everybody has improved for improvement that said i think the actual diversity um of tennis participants is more diverse than people probably give it credit for. Right. I think, you know, the biggest tennis event that you think of, you know, I'd love to say it's US Open, but, um, you know, Wimbledon, it's, I mean, it looks like a country club. Like, they're all wearing white, and right. it's it's great, it's prestigious. I mean, I'm not bad-mouthing ex- it at all. And it's expensive to go to. Right. And, um, and you know, any, I would say, top-line sporting event is. Uh, so that's maybe not, I mean, you would probably say that for the US Open in a lot of ways, depending yeah. on um, how low you want to sit. Yeah. Uh, but, I would say what we're trying to do through our advertising and through marketing is actually not convince people that we need to be more diverse. It's actually putting a spotlight on the diversity that's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you look at the culture, there's subcultures within tennis, within neighborhoods, within communities that I think we could continue to have an opportunity to put the spotlight on more than anything. Right. Um, but I think I think that's already out there for tennis, and I think that exists for tennis. Could it be better? You know, absolutely. And we can outreach can be better, programs can be better. Um, but I think uh, for tennis, it's, it's putting a spotlight, honestly, to more change the perception mm-hmm. than it is changing the sport. Like, I don't want to change the sport, but right. I, I think there's a lot of work that we could do to actually change the perception. So, again, from a radio broadcasting standpoint, mm-hmm. is there anything that we can do a better job to help support your goals? Um, I think it's just proving out the story of, of where we can reach people right. and being just much more in tune to that. Uh, I think people consume audio now on such a specified, specific passion level. Like they, they, you could get exactly the subject that you want on demand as a sports fan. Okay, I'm going to take this out of tennis, right? I'm a huge hockey fan. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a huge Florida Panthers fan. You might be the first person that you've ever talked to that actually said that <laughs> um, because not a lot of people know uh, Florida Panthers fans uh, when it comes to the NHL, but in order to find like content about the Panthers, like in radio broadcasts, like I'd have to like listen to a national show, and if they spent thirty seconds or one minute on the Panthers, that that would be like a miracle, right? But now I can listen to, like ten different broad, uh, podcasts, like that are just Panthers specific. Right. Um, so I think what the industry and the radio could continue to do is just to continue to highlight that, like we are now 
you know, you might not think of radio as the most modern thing, but like when you think of how people engage with audio and the intimate relationship people have with that medium, uh, that you could really tap into what people are passionate about. Um, and then when it comes to t- like a sport like tennis, is like you know that that specific content is out there, um, and maybe it's not just about tennis audio, but it's about the passions that tennis people like that also have their own audio outlets for. Okay, we sh- we could be there too. This was so great. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. This is fun. And yeah. enjoy the rest of the conference. We'll do. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. With a focus on making sure everyone knows that tennis is a good sport to play, radio has a lot in common with the USTA, as Brad shared how important it is to understand people's habits. He reminds us about the intimate relationship radio and audio have with its listeners and truly understanding and connecting with the passions of our listeners. Hey! We need to all get out and play. If you'd like to learn more about radio and its many benefits, we invite you to visit us at rab.com, or you can email us directly at askrab at rab.com. Until next time, it's Radio on Main Street.